You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. We're getting right into the news. This was a week of quality news, not quantity. That's a good thing. That means there wasn't a lot of injuries. Most teams came through the week unscathed. But uh, some of the big news going around the league. First off, Falcons head coach Dan Quinn got fired along with general manager Thomas Dimitrov, and the defensive coordinator Raheem Morris is going to be the interim head coach from here on out. And you knew it was coming eventually. It was kind of, you know, there was inklings of Dan Quinn being fired last year. The Arthur Blank stuck with him and said he believed in him, and he, I guess he believed in him, but uh, he, Dan Quinn didn't get any wins. Had some heartbreaking losses where they've had the lead, kind of like in the Super Bowl, and then uh, lost the lead. So Falcon fans have been pretty uh, pretty upset with the direction of the team. And I feel like this is a good move. I, I like Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator, as a head coach. You know, he, he did get the team to the Super Bowl. But it was almost a bad thing that he, he got them to the Super Bowl. And, I mean... It's tough to say it's a bad thing to get to the Super Bowl, but the the Falcons got there pretty quick with Dimitrov and Quinn, and then it was just kind of a free fall since then. It's like uh, you know blowing that lead against the Patriots, and it's been kind of their identity since then. So pretty tragic, but not unexpected. And Raheem Morris is the new head coach, and I don't know how that's going to change things in regards to the play calling. Uh, you know, their defense is still horrid, so I don't think it's going to change much in regards to what they do. They're still going to have to pass the ball a lot. That still leaves a lot of room for Julio Jones when he gets back, uh, Calvin Ridley, and Russell Gage. So, moving on, the biggest news of the week, Dak Prescott, compound fracture in his ankle. Really tough to watch. It was, you know, one of those things where his leg was just flopping. And, you know, he was holding his leg immediately. He knew it was bad. And that's a tough blow for the Cowboys because they're, you know, they're hanging in there in the East. It's such a bad division. And losing Dak Prescott makes things a little bit tougher. The You know, I think before, even with the Cowboys record, you were kind of scared to face them because of how potent their offense was. And now with Dak Prescott out for the year, I don't feel like they're as intimidating I do think they still have the ability to beat teams because they, they are talented, but they're they're not the fearsome uh, matchup that you know when when the Cowboys are rolling into town, teams aren't going to def you know they're not going to be as fearful as they were previously. So it's a tough break for the Cowboys. It's a tough break for Cowboys fans. It's a tough break for Dak Prescott owners, especially because he was having an MVP type season so far. I mean, he was throwing for 500 yards like he was throwing out candy at a parade. It was just ridiculous. And uh, now that all comes to an end. Andy Dalton came in, 
We'll talk about that a little bit later. Andy Dalton's, you know, a starting quarterback for the Bengals all those years, so he he's definitely not a slouch, and he definitely can, you know, hold the hold the ship, get them into the playoffs. But they definitely don't have the promise that they had before with Dak Prescott. It's just a heartbreaking thing to see. I was a big Dak Prescott fan, and it just is one of those things where it's disappointing not being able to watch him on Sundays anymore for the for, you know for the rest of this year. Dalvin Cook tweaked his groin, missed the rest of the game against the Viking or the Seahawks, and his MRI actually came back pretty good. So he should be available next week. If not, you know he might miss next week and then be good to go from here on out. It's, a, it's actually good to hear because when you know he got hurt and he was out for the rest of the game, it was definitely concerning for fantasy owners especially about how long he was going to be out for and if this was going to be a long-term issue. And it, it appears it was just a small thing that's not going to hold him out very long at all. Michael Thomas, he actually could have played t- tonight against the Chargers. He got into an altercation with uh, Chauncey... Uh, Gardner Johnson and they decided to suspend him for this game which is unfortunate because if I'm the coach of the Saints I am going to be playing Michael Thomas regardless I don't care if he punches well anybody but Drew Brees if he punches anyone but Drew Brees he is going to be starting for me my next football game and I, I know there's there's a culture thing where you're you know you're trying to set an example of how things need to be run on your team but you know it's it's not like there's stories of Michael Thomas punching people previous to this and uh he, you know I haven't heard anything of him being a bad teammate so there's there's definitely not any type of a precedence before this for I think the team to suspend him for a game that he could be ready for and if anything if I'm a coach and I don't think he's necessarily ready and I want to get him an extra week, a extra week of rest, I'm going to say, hey, you're suspended because you punched somebody. And deep down, give kind of a sigh of relief saying, well, at least you know I'm giving him that extra week of rest so he'll be 100% when it's you know the following week instead of trying to uh, stretch it out this week. And uh, that could be maybe a strategy move. And if it is, it's not a bad move on their part. But uh, you're definitely disappointed not to see him on the Monday night game. And you knew it was going to be an iffy proposition anyways. So if you're a fantasy owner, it would be a good idea that you pivoted off of him anyways and didn't rely on him playing Monday night. And most places and most of my leagues, I you know he wasn't in the lineup. So I think most owners were smart enough not to uh, chance it playing him on a Monday night. Starting off with our Goats of the Week at quarterback. There was some pretty good quarterback play this week. Overall, our number three Goat of the Week, which stands for Greatest of All Time of Week 5, Kyler Murray at the Jets. He was 27 for 37, 380 yards, one touchdown, and he ran the ball nine times for 31 yards, got another touchdown, threw one pick. Uh, Overall... It's the yards that did it for him. You know, two touchdowns for a quarterback is a good good day, but usually not the top tier 
with uh, the two touchdowns and Kyler Murray getting the 31 yards rushing that helped contribute. And he was our number three GOAT of the week at quarterback. Number two is Deshaun Watson. And he was due to have a big game after, you know, the first four games being pretty mediocre. Played the Jaguars. He was 25 of 35 for 359 yards, had three touchdowns, two interceptions, ran the ball twice for 25 yards, and, you know, he was, the thing I liked about his game was he was able to spread the ball around to everybody. I mean, Cooks went off. You you didn't see a game like this from Cooks at all, all season, and uh, just exploded with, uh, you know, 100 and, 60 yards and a touchdown and Will Fuller had a great game he you know he had a touchdown about 80 something yards so all around really good day for the Texans and Deshaun Watson is showing you why he's such a great quarterback my number one quarterback is going to be a little surprising because they lost and to be honest he didn't really have that good of a game but fantasy football wise he sure did uh Patrick Mahomes versus the Raiders 22 for 43, which is barely 50%. But he had 340 yards and two touchdowns. He threw an interception, but then he also had six carries for 21 yards and another touchdown. So you get three touchdowns, get 100 or you get 340 yards. That's a good day. And regardless on if you lost, you give, you give up 40 points to the Raiders. That's you know that's gonna happen you're not gonna win many games where you give up 40 points and you know they didn't so Chiefs suffer their first loss of the season it was one of those games where I felt like the Raiders deserved it they held the Chiefs in check all game and especially playing at Arrowhead Stadium the Raiders really came to play and represented and and made themselves players in that division again so uh yeah it's crazy to be the number one quarterback on a, on a loss like this, but uh, we've seen it with Dak Prescott, so uh, that's what seems to happen is, you know, you get behind and quarterbacks have to pass the ball, and they're getting a lot of yards this year, especially with all the roles in play. The defenses are, uh, you know, they can't do much with the uh, the offense being able to, to get down the field at ease nowadays. Now on to our running back goats of the week. Our number three goat is Todd Gurley versus the Panthers. And really it's anybody facing the Panthers. Panthers are so hard at stopping the rush. Todd Gurley, two weeks in a row now. He scored two touchdowns last week. This game he had 14 carries for 121 yards, one touchdown, and also had four catches for 29 yards. Just a really effective day. Todd Gurley definitely got the bulk of all the carries. And it was, you know, it's like these last two weeks have been like watching the Todd Gurley of old. And, you know, a lot of people worried about Todd Gurley and his age and his knee and how everything was going to hold up. And so far, so good. And it's been a lot of fun to watch Todd Gurley run the ball again. And I I don't think enough people are talking about it, mostly because the Falcons haven't won any games, which, you know, it makes sense. But uh, Todd Gurley had a great game. Number two, this is another surprise because I was telling people that you needed to sit him last week because of the matchup. And stat-wise, you you kind of, you know, we'll get to that in a second. But Miles Sanders is the number two goat of the week. Really had a great stat day against the Steelers. Had 11 carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns. 
and then uh, had two catches for 19 yards. But, you know, the two touchdowns are really what made it. And to be honest, he had a 75-yard run for a touchdown. So you look at his other 10 runs, and he had five yards on 10 runs. So, you know, the Steelers' defense proved that they're good at stopping the rush. They gave up one big play, and that led to someone having huge fantasy relevance. And if you're a Miles Sanders owner and you started him, you got to be happy because you, you probably weren't expecting the output that he was able to produce. And, uh, yeah, he had a great game. Number one is Ezekiel Elliott versus the Giants. And I think, you know, with Dak getting hurt, this definitely helped. But uh, he only carried the ball 19 times, which, you know, back in the day, you had a workhorse back. You'd run him, you know, 30 times a game. Now, usually around that 20 carry mark is the new average. And uh, he had 91 yards, two touchdowns, and then he caught a pass for 14 yards. And it's good to see Elliott, you know, the way he performed. He's always been a, a top performer. And, you know, with Dak Prescott's injury, I think we're going to see a lot more of Ezekiel Elliott uh, because they're going to have to rely more on that run, try to take the, you know, the game away from uh, Andy Dalton a little bit where you're, you're not passing the ball as much as you did with Dak. And I think it's going to be good things in the future for Ezekiel Elliott owners in that regard. So this is a sign of really good things to uh, to come for Ezekiel Elliott and for, you know, if you own him, for you as well. The wide receiver goats of the week. And this is uh, three people that, well, two of the three that you wouldn't expect. The number three is DK Metcalf versus the Vikings. DK Metcalf is just a beast. He actually didn't start out having a good game. For you know the first half, you're wondering what happened to the Seattle offense, and DK Metcalf was part of that. I mean, he had 11 targets and barely caught over half of those. So he had six receptions for 93 yards, had two touchdowns. So overall, like I said, it turned out to be a, a great day, but uh, you were definitely worried if you happened to be watching that first half. And the fact that Seattle ended up pulling that ga- that victory out uh, when it looked like Minnesota was uh, good to go, it, it was impressive. And Russell Wilson is, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks, best players in the NFL right now, and uh, he wouldn't be denied. And even if you're not a C- Seahawks fan, you got to appreciate, uh, you know, what Russell Wilson's able to do in that offense. Number two is Brandon Cooks versus the Jaguars. We talked about Deshaun Watson. Well, he threw the ball a lot to Brandon Cooks. Cooks had 12 targets, which is crazy because he only had like three targets the week before. But uh, 12 targets, for, but he had eight catches for 160 yards and a touchdown. And it was a Brandon Cooks show. And it was really unexpected. And you probably benched him or dropped him from your team. <laughs> so most owners weren't able to appreciate it. But uh, I guess from here on out, he definitely could be an option. I mean, if he's getting 12 targets, hopefully that continues with some easier defenses. And, you know, I think part of the issue with Brandon Cooks was he was kind of injured early on. And if, you know, he's recovered and he's performing like this, maybe we can expect some good things from Brandon Cooks. He's just such a crapshoot lately in regards to uh, what his production will be that – you know, it just figures that he has a performance like this when most people kind of gave up on him. Number one 
Chase Claypool, of course, is going to be Chase Claypool. And there's some things I like about this, and there's some things I don't like about it. So, you know, Chase Claypool played the Eagles, and the Eagles weren't a horrible matchup, so it wasn't like you expected the Steelers receivers to just dominate. And they didn't, for the most part. Chase Claypool was the only one. I mean, he had seven catches for 110 yards and three touchdowns and then ran the ball for six yards and had another touchdown. That's four touchdowns in the game. That's just insanity. That's like a you know, a decade game for a wide receiver. And I'm trying to remember the last receiver that had four touchdowns. It's been a while. And the thing that I would kind of caution with Chase Claypool is, you know, he's probably available in most of your leagues and he's going to be a top pickup priority. And he should be. I think he's definitely worth picking up and throwing in your lineup because the Steelers are trying to find ways to use him. And when he's on the field, they're throwing to him. And, you know, he was only on the field for, I don't know, I think less than 25 snaps. And he was targeted 11 times. That's significant. And the reason why I know this and I pay attention to this is because I I watch a lot of the Steelers. And... I was intrigued by Chase Claypool with his size. I was just wondering, you know, with the three receivers they already had, with Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Deontay Johnson, how that was going to work. Well, it doesn't seem like that matters because they're trying to get him the ball, and Roethlisberger's focused on him when he, you know, when he is in the in the lineup. Uh, and but here's the thing I don't like about this stat that he had the other day. I don't think he's going to get 11 targets every game. And that's mostly, I think he got a lot of targets this week because Deontay Johnson was hurt. He hurt his back returning a punt, which is why I think your number one receiver shouldn't be returning kicks. But, I mean, he definitely was an all-pro last year, so I get it. And with Deontay Johnson being out, that definitely elevated Chase Claypool to get more targets and be more involved in the offense. So I think he's a great add, but just with the expectation that he's not going to be your star receiver, He's going to be a guy that gets, you know, four to five targets a game. You know, has a lot of big play potential. He'll get you games where he has, like, three points, but then he'll get you games where he has, like, you know, 10 to 12 points. It's just all going to be how many big plays he has. So, again, Chase Claypool, amazing game. Number one go of the week at receiver. And it was really fun to see... Uh, you know him just kind kind of come out of nowhere and uh, basically dominate that whole entire game. <laughs> Our tight end goes to the week. You know it was slim pickings. There was a lot of tight ends that had great matchups and didn't really do anything with those matchups. So ho hum week for tight ends, but we'll get started. Our number three, Mark Andrews versus the Bengals. Targeted nine times, had six catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. And, yeah, usually 56 yards and a touchdown doesn't make the list, but uh, this week it did. And that's, like I said, the type of week the tight end position had. Number two star or goat of the week was Darren Fells for the Texans versus the Jaguars. He caught both his targets for 57 yards, had a touchdown, and... He replaced Jordan Akins, who had a concussion. And Darren Fells, I mean, it was kind of unexpected day. And, uh, 
you know, only getting two targets, you wouldn't expect him to be one of the top tight end. Uh, you know, if you would have told me at the beginning of the game that he was only going to have two targets, I wouldn't have. I would have stayed away from him completely. Said I don't want any of that. And yeah, he came in second in, in points and scoring for fantasy and uh, at the tight end position. The number one is Travis Kelsey versus the Raiders. He had twelve targets, caught eight of them for 108 yards and one touchdown. And this one's legit. You know, this was a good game for Kelsey. He uh, he did well. It was a losing effort, but uh, you know anyone that's getting 12 targets, and, and especially with an offense like Kansas City, where you know if, if they're going to be behind, you want to go to your best weapons, and Kelsey is one of their best weapons. And I can see them trying to go to him more, especially next week. You know they're going to try to get off the snide and get the bad taste out of their mouth from losing. And I think Travis Kelsey will be a big part of that. But in the meantime, they went to, to him often while they were behind. And he, Travis Kelsey had a good game overall. Uh, he was actually one of the few Chiefs. Him and Mahomes were the, well, Tyreek Hill, I guess. You know, he got that touchdown called back. He, Tyreek Hill had a great game as well. Um, but definitely disappointing for that Chiefs defense. It looked like they were turning a corner and they were no longer a liability. And then they give up 40 to the Raiders, and just, uh, yeah, it's tragic. It, it looks really bad. Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. All right, the Ghosts of the Week segment. And there was a lot of them in with the good matchups. So that was kind of the disappointing thing where there's guys that should have been started based off of their matchup and they didn't perform expectations. And number three is Matt Ryan versus the Panthers and Panthers usually were decent against the quarterback. And that's because people ran against them so much. And in this situation, it, it really wasn't the case because the Falcons were behind the, the Panthers a lot in this game. And, uh, you know, Matt Ryan was able to throw for, you know, 37 times, only completed 21 of those for 226 yards, didn't have any touchdowns, threw an interception, had a fumble, just overall a bad game for Matt Ryan and, you know, led to Dan Quinn's firing, unfortunately. That's how bad of a day it was for the Atlanta Falcons. Number two, this is another one where, you know, I kept saying, oh, he's going to turn the corner, you know, schedule's easing up and, you know, now I'm kind of off that saddle. I'm no longer, I, I kind of lost belief a little bit. I, I'm i usually pretty patient on guys, and, you know, if they have bad matchups, I'm like, well, wait till they have a good matchup. And Daniel Jones had a good matchup against the Cowboys and wasn't able to come through. He was uh, 20 for 33, 222 yards. Uh you know, minus seven yards rushing, had a fumble, you know, this fumbling issue came back again, and just overall, really bad day for Daniel Jones, and I don't know, I'm just, I don't want to talk about it much, because, you know, I I take pride in when I recommend something for it to pan out and, and be good advice, and so far with Daniel Jones, it's not good advice. He's he's a guy that shouldn't even be on any fantasy football rosters at this point. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But 
there's definitely he's a bad quarterback, and there's better quarterbacks that have been benched. So we'll we'll leave it at that. Joe Burrow was our number one ghost of the week against the Ravens. Uh, a lot of people were playing him because they were on the Joe Burrow high horse. You know, they jumped on the bandwagon, thought he was going to do great things against this Raven defense. He did not. He did a lot of terrible things. And, you know, I cut him some slack. He's a rookie, so this won't be the norm. But uh, he's taking his lumps, and he did against the Ravens. 19 for 30, 183 yards, had one interception and then two fumbles. And not the day you'd like to see from Joe Burrow if you started him. But uh, definitely better things ahead for him. So, you know. One game does not make a season, and Joe Burrow, outside of this game, has been pretty impressive. Now it's time for our running back, Ghosts of the Week. And this one pains me to say it because I actually recommended him as a top play this week, but it's James Robinson at the Texans. Ran the ball 13 times for 48 yards, caught Five balls for 22 yards, and then had a fumble. And overall, not a good day for James Robinson. If you started him expecting big things, you were disappointed. And especially, you know, he's had tougher matchups where he looked really good. So for, you know, him to come out of this one against the Texans and and look the way he did. Uh, But, you know, I'm not ready to give up on him. He has another great matchup this week. So I think he rebounds. It, but uh, it definitely didn't help you in week five if you started him, and, and just a disappointing week all around. My number two is Mark Ingram. He's playing the Bengals. It doesn't get any easier than the Bengals. You're expecting the Ravens just to, you know, run all over this defense. And the, the Ravens dominated the whole game. You know, they won big against the Bengals. It just you didn't get the type of performance from Mark Ingram that you thought you were going to get. He ran the ball 11 times for 57 yards, and it's starting to get scary for Mark Ingram owners. He was supposed to, you know, still be a big part of this offense, and, and he is, but the production hasn't been there this year so far. And the Ravens are a good team, so it's not like they're struggling. It's just uh, Mark Ingram is not producing. So uh, I think if this continues, you're going to start seeing J.K. Dobbins roll up a little bit more so he definitely needs to be on your radar I don't think he's available in most leagues because obviously he's a rookie that had a lot of hype going into the draft but uh, you know it's definitely someone to keep on your radar if he is available because I I think they're going to start pivoting from Mark Ingram my number one running back is Antonio Gibson against the Rams you know with his receiving skill set, I thought that that was perfect for Kyle Allen and he would have a bigger game than he did. And he started pretty good and then just didn't do anything the rest of the game, and especially after Kyle Allen got hurt. He ran the ball 11 times for 27 yards, so, I mean, barely over two yards a carry. And then he caught all five of his targets for 24 yards, and that was all early. It was like he had all of that and, you know, the first quarter, it feels like, and then didn't do anything else the rest of the game. Unfortunate for Antonio Gibson, he definitely is our ghost, number one ghost of the week, unfortunately. Our receiver, 
Ghosts of the Week. This one was kind of a star-studded lineup of our ghosts. People that uh, I, I thought would have good weeks, and they didn't. Almost like our, our running backs, except for I think our receivers are, are kind of worse. Number three is Terry McLaurin against the Rams. And it's not so much that he had a good matchup because he didn't, but Terry McLaurin has always been kind of matchup-proof and has been pretty consistent. But he's targeted seven times, only had three catches for 26 yards, and you expect more from Terry McLaurin. And with this quarterback situation shaking out the way it is, I mean, again, I, I still think he's matchup-proof, so I think it's an anomaly. I don't think you can take much from this game, the way it played out. You know, it was awesome to see Alex Smith go in there and play again. And that's the biggest thing I take away from that game. Just, you know, if you, you know, listen to his story and watch the documentary on him recovering from that injury. I mean, he just had a, his leg was mangled, just mangled. And the fact that he was out there throwing NFL passes this past Sunday was pretty impressive, regardless how the Redskins looked, or I should say the Washington football team looked. So, if you have, uh, so that was definitely a bright spot. And I know I'm talking about the ghosts and, and Terry McLaurin, but uh, this game was definitely bigger than Terry McLaurin's performance because Terry McLaurin will be fine. And I, I just felt like it was a, a cool moment to see Alex Smith go in there and, and complete, you know, some passes and. And do his thing. And he knew he got sacked by Aaron Donald quite a bit because Aaron Donald had a game. And he didn't get hurt. He still was able, you know, to hang in there and, and play football. So that was my biggest takeaway from that game. My number two ghost of the week is Justin Jefferson versus, or at Seattle. Was targeted five times, had three catches for 23 yards. And I was expecting Justin Jefferson to go off. I thought this was going to be a huge game. And I know Adam Thielen went off and had a huge game. Uh, that didn't surprise me. I, I kind of expected both to have really big games, and Justin Jefferson didn't. So obviously he's a rookie. He's going to go through some growing pains. Just uh, he's, he's had a couple great performances in a row, and I thought he might be able to keep that rolling against the Seahawks defense. But I'll tell you what, the Seahawks defense is slowly getting better and better. And not that they're a top-tier defense by any means, but they're going to be better than what they've looked like the first quarter of the season. And I, I really believe that. My number one ghost of the week, Amari Cooper. You know, I ripped on him for being a ghost uh, more times than I would like last season. But he's been pretty consistent, and it's proven me wrong so far this year. But this performance doesn't bode well. Uh, was targeted four times, had two catches for 23 yards, and that definitely doesn't get it done. Of course, you know, we, we all know what happened in the Dallas game, and uh, you're wondering what that uh, chemistry is going to look like with Andy Dalton from here on out. So, uh, Mari Cooper's numbers might be going down a, a little bit, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that transpires. Uh, there's just so many weapons there in Dallas, and I'm wondering which one Andy Dalton is going to... Uh, I guess have that rapport with and, and be the most comfortable with from uh, you know the rest of the season. <laughs> Our tight end ghost of the week. Get right into it. Number three is Tyler Higby at Washington. Caught both of his targets for twelve yards. 
and he was like my start of the week. I was expecting really big things from him. He had a matchup where I, I thought he might be able to get a couple touchdowns, and there wasn't a single touchdown from the tight end position. And those targets went to Gerald Everett, which, you know, Gerald Everett's a good tight end, and you're always worried about Gerald Everett dipping into Higby's production. But it just came out full force in this game. This was a game where you were pretty confident in Tyler Higby, at least I was. And, yeah, it just didn't happen. Higby had a horrible game. And, uh, you know, it's to the benefit of Gerald Everett. Number two is Hayden Hurst. And Hayden Hurst is just, if if you're a Hayden Hurst owner, he just has to be killing you. He was definitely one of those guys where everyone was excited about his upside in this Falcons offense. But against the Panthers, he was targeted six times, had two catches for eight yards. And this is a type of signing and, or trade, I should say, because they, they you know, traded with the Ravens for him, is uh, one of the reasons why <laughs> Dimitrov and, and Quinn got fired. Uh, definitely not putting up the production that Hooper did. And... Hayden Hurst is leaning towards the ghost more times than not in in this regard. And uh, in an offense like the Falcons, there's, there's no reason for it. My number one is Zach Ertz. And I don't know what's going on with Zach Ertz, but he was targeted six times when he had one catch. And at this point, I mean, I'm benching Zach Ertz. I'm finding all their options I can. I don't know what's going on, but uh, ever since Dallas Goddard got on IR... Ertz has been, you know, his numbers haven't been great all year, but he's looked worse after that, and, and he figured he'd be a bigger part of the offense. And and they're trying. It's just uh, Zach Ertz, for whatever reason, isn't getting open. And I don't know if they're focusing on him as, you know, the receivers are hurt, but regardless, it doesn't help your fantasy football team at this point, and he just needs to be benched. It's Burke and Mrs. Pickups of the week. Let's get it started. This is the fun segment of the show where I tell you to pick up off of your waiver wire for the upcoming week. And it's kind of anticlimactic this week because there wasn't a lot of goodness to pick up off the fantasy waiver wire this week. And I have my rule where if I mentioned somebody last week or two weeks ago, I don't bring them up again because they should already been part of your roster or considered part of your roster. So everyone's already aware of them. And this week, there's just, there's really not a lot going on, which is, you know, it's a little disappointing. Um, But we'll get right into it. My number three quarterback is Matthew Stafford for the Lions. I think he's a great pickup this week. He's playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Quarterbacks do well against the Jaguars. Look at Ryan Fitzpatrick a couple weeks ago. Look at Deshaun Watson last week. Now it's going to be Matthew Stafford's turn. You know, when you have weapons like Galladay, you know, Marvin Jones has been kind of MIA this season. But, uh, you know, Hawkinson, uh, there's, there's weapons there. And I feel like... Detroit's going to have a really good week offensively. So Matthew Stafford needs to be picked up. If you're streaming, you have someone on a bye, it's definitely important to uh, look at Matthew Stafford as an option. 
And, you know, the buys this week are going to be the Seahawks, Chargers, Saints, Raiders. So if you have Drew Brees or Russell Wilson especially, uh, Matthew Stafford might not be that bad of a pivot. He can be uh, he can be productive and, and be a short-term fix for your, your roster. My number two pickup of the week at quarterback is Drew Locke for the Broncos. It is time. He is getting better. He's close to returning. I still like this Broncos offense, and you heard me and Burke Raven about Drew Locke earlier in the season, before the season started, saying that Drew Locke was going to surprise some people, and then he went out and got hurt almost immediately. Well, now that he's coming back, I think we're going to start seeing the full scope of what Drew Locke can do for this offense, and I think Denver's going to be better, and no, I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they have too many injuries to uh, to put themselves in that type of position. But I think this is going to be an exciting offense with uh, Jerry Judy and you know Hamler and uh, Tim Patrick and Noah Fant. And uh, what the Broncos were missing was a quarterback. So uh, I think this is a chance now to pick up Drew Locke and be rewarded if he does bust out. If he doesn't, you know, he'll be on your bench and – you can drop him, but uh, definitely pick him up, give him a couple weeks, and uh, see what you got out of him. And I, I think he can be a a quarterback that you can put in to start when uh, you know as, as a backup if you have an injury or a bye. My number one, of course, is going to be Andy Dalton. That Dallas offense is too talented. It's too many weapons. Andy Dalton has experience with being the man behind center and he's never had this many weapons before on offense so though I don't expect Dak Prescott type numbers I expect Andy Dalton to be a hot commodity and a productive quarterback for your fantasy football team so he should be owned in actually all formats I I think he can be a top 12 quarterback the rest of the way and he can definitely be you know a good plug-in option for for bye weeks or injury so uh, I would be chomping at the bit to get Andy Dalton and I know he's not he's not a sexy pick he's not one of those guys you get excited about but again you're looking at this offense and I mean if Andy Dalton can't you know if if he can do 60% of what Dak Prescott could do he's going to be a worthwhile fantasy football pickup at running back this one was pretty tough. There wasn't a lot of people that I would bring up. You know, Damian Harris would be a good one if he's available, but I already mentioned him when he got off of IR. But now that they're off their bye week, they're going to play Denver. Uh, he's definitely worth looking at again. But my number three is Cordero Patterson for the Bears. He's going to take over that role of the Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen's out for the year. He was so close to scoring a touchdown last week, barely missed out. I think his role expands, and he's a dynamic playmaker. And I'm just not impressed with David Montgomery. I mean, he gets fantasy points, and I don't know how he does it. Cordero Patterson's the opposite. Like He's, he's a, a bigger playmaker to me, and I think uh, you know it, it's, it's going to be a feast or famine type thing with him, but as the second like, change of pace back, I, I like his potential. My number two is Alexander Madison, and I know 
I, I get the fact that Dalvin Cook's probably not going to miss any time and he's going to play, but the fact that he got injured makes me want to get Madison on my bench now because say he, Cook does come back and play and he seems like he's fine and re-aggravates it during the game or maybe you know during practice it's it's not responding the way he wants it to uh you know the groin I'm talking about not the Vikings offense because I feel like the Vikings offense very rarely responds the way you want it to uh, except for this year you know Vikings offense has been okay but regardless all jokes aside Alexander Madison would be good to have on your roster now because if that does happen then you don't have to worry about you know clamoring in front of everybody else to uh, get him on your team my number one pickup of the week is philip Lindsay. he's probably was drafted by a bunch of people but dropped by now with him being hurt earlier in the year and he's coming back soon and, you know he might come back the next game we don't know uh i think next week will be a little bit too early for him to come back but it's going to be soon and you want to be one week a, a you know ahead of that because if you're able to stay one week ahead of it you won't be one of those people trying to hurry up and grab him the first game that he does actually come back you already have him on your roster and philip Lindsay is a good back like he was more impressive than melvin gordon was in training camp and that injury really kind of devastated him and devastated his chances melvin gordon probably still holds that lead back role but Philip Lindsay is still a good back, and I think they're going more to a committee when he comes back. So he's definitely going to have some fantasy value and, and somebody you want to jump on right now. At wide receiver, my number three receiver, and this was kind of the same thing. Really tough options this week. But I have Travis Fulgham for the Eagles as my number three. And I have him not because... You know, I, I realized that this game was kind of anomaly. He had a great week, but he seemed to have some chemistry with Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. Those guys should be back. Alshon Jeffrey should be back next week, but they don't have a lot of options at receiver, and it's kind of tough to just throw a tra- you know Travis Fulgham to the bench the way he played last week. And with Greg Ward, say Alshon Jeffrey does play there's still going to be three receivers. The Eagles still have three receiver sets. And I think Travis Fulgham's on the outside. Ward goes to the slot. Alshon Jeffrey is on the outside. And uh, it turns into a better, more formidable offense that way, at least until Deshaun Jackson gets back or Jalen Rager gets off IR. I still think there's a place for Travis Fulgham right now. And I, I like that chemistry that they showed last week. So he's my number three. Uh, again, if Alshon Jeffrey's back especially, don't expect huge numbers from him like he had last week, but he can still be productive. My number two is Tyler Johnson from the Buccaneers. And I say that because everyone's talking up Scotty Miller, who's laid an egg last week. Justin Watson's been hurt. God- Godwin's been hurt. Uh, Mike Evans has gotten a touchdown every game, but he's you know some of his touchdown games he's only had like you know 10 yards or so. So, Tyler Johnson had seven targets last week, and 
I think he's being incorporated more into the offense. I really liked him coming out of Minnesota, and especially in that slot position. I thought he would take that over, and I actually thought he'd take it over earlier than he apparently is now. But he looked good last week, and I think this is a sign of things to come. I think he slides in there and it becomes more of a weapon for Tom Brady and takes over the role from Scotty Miller and Justin Watson. And it'd be nice to have him on your roster because – I think the Buccaneers are going to be a passing team. And, yeah, Tom Brady needs all the weapons he can get. And I, Tyler Johnson being young is a really talented wide receiver. Worth taking a gamble on. My number one doesn't need to, you know, we kind of talked about my number one. That's Chase Claypool for the Steelers. Again, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate, Deontay Johnson was hurt, so that led to Chase Claypool getting way more targets and opportunities than he normally would but he's still a big play guy you, you you saw it in week two where he had like a i don't know what 67 yard touchdown bomb from roethlisberger the guy can get it done he can score touchdowns he's definitely in a flex type position you can put him in your lineup every week and hope for big things and chase claypool can produce that so if you don't have chase claypool or he's available and he He's available in a lot of leagues. This is a chance to go get him now because after this week, he won't be available the rest of the year. And he'd be the only person that I'd waste a waiver priority on. Uh, I, I think that highly of what he can do for the Steelers. And especially if you're in a dynasty league or a keeper league, Chase Claypool is worth picking up in all formats. I mean, I think his future is a lot brighter than even what he's showing right now. So, uh, I wouldn't hesitate twice to pick him up in those type of leagues. At tight end, my number three is Gerald Everett, and I'm not saying that because he took targets away from Tyler Higby last week. I just think the Rams are always kind of been a two tight end type uh, type team. Gerald Everett's always been involved one way or the other, and Higby will have his big games every once in a while, but when he doesn't, Everett is still there, and he becomes fantasy relevant. So... Uh, if you're on bye weeks or injury, Everett's a guy to consider. He, obviously, he's my number three, so I'm not saying that uh, uh, I'd be excited to be adding him to my roster, but he's definitely an option, You know, somebody that you can potentially rely on to fill in for your injured or bye week tight end that will be able to get you some points. My number two tight end is Trey Burton from the Colts. I say that because Mo Alley Cox, the skyscraper, is hurt. And Trey Burton got seven targets last game in his absence. That continues. They don't like throwing to Jack Doyle. He only had two targets. And so I, I can, you know, as long as Mo Alley Cox is hurt, I, I think those targets continue to go to Trey Burton. And with Phillip Rivers, he likes to use the tight end. So I think Trey Burton's a. a fine person to just throw in there and uh you know for a one week two week uh time frame he, he can be productive for you irv smith's my number one and the reason why irv smith's my number one pickup uh you know for the vikings is it's really looking like they're phasing kyle rudolph out he's old he's slow irv smith is neither of those things he's young he's exciting football player and his targets are starting to dwarf those of Kyle Rudolph. 
and I think Irv Smith can be a, an effective tight end, and that volume of his will continue to go up, and he'll still be getting more opportunities and be a fantasy asset here soon. So you can get him now, and then later when he becomes fantasy relevant, he'll already be on your team, and you'll have to try to play the waiver wire game with him. Especially at tight end, you don't want to do that. Uh, but, yeah, he definitely can be one of those projects on your roster where, you, you know, he, he's getting ready to explode and uh, you're waiting for that that uh, outbreak of his, uh, uh, you know, the outbreak of superstardom to happen. And uh, I, I think with Irv Smith, it's going to be happening pretty soon. Yay! This is the week five recap. I like this part of the show because we visit some of the predictions we made about week five. And, you know, I'll start off with the bad prediction, and that's the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphin game. It was San Francisco was at home. I thought they'd cover the eight points. Not only did they not cover, but the Miami Dolphins destroyed the 49ers. Said to start Jimmy Garoppolo. He was benched by the half. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, I thought were good starts, and they did horrible. And I said to sit uh, Preston Williams and Miles Gaskins, and they had decent outings. They should have been startable assets on your fantasy team. So on the other end of the spectrum, the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons, I said to take the Panthers and take the four and a half points that the Falcons were favored by. They did because they won. I said to start Teddy Bridgewater, Mike Davis, Todd Gurley, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Calvin Ridley. They dominated, had great games. And then I said to sit Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, and Hayden Hurst. And they had less than spectacular games. So good call all around on that. Um, My stars of the week that I like to pick the top three players at each position and see if I'm, you know, how close I am. I did okay. I mean, I had Deshaun Watson number one, and Deshaun Watson was number two behind Patrick Mahomes with 32.5 fantasy points. So had a good day. My other two picks, I had Drew Brees at number nine, and Teddy Bridgewater was number 11. So, yeah, not top three, but still top 12 and startable. If I can make my stars of the week at least startable players for your team, I feel like that's a win in and of itself. My running backs, not as good. I had Ezekiel Elliott ranked number two, and he, in fact, was ranked number one. So I feel good about that. But, man, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all the way down at 24, not a good day for him. He had a prime matchup, catching the ball and running the ball, and... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is far away from the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that uh, played in Week 1 against the Texans, where everyone was pretty excited about. Uh, It's more like Clyde Edwards-Nowhere, because he is not going anywhere. Uh, And uh, James Robinson at number 26. He definitely didn't do what I thought he was going to do. Had a good matchup against the Texans, and I mean, I'm, I think James Robinson will have an amazing week this week, so I'm not, you know, 
definitely not uh, cold on him by any means or bitter about him not performing, but not the week that you would want. Wide receiver, that was a little bit different, uh, I must say. I did have DeAndre Hopkins. He was ranked number seven, and I'll take that. Number seven at receivers, pretty good spot to be in. It's just uh, the other guys, and they're so far down the list that I won't even tell you their rank. Um, just to say that uh, Ray Ray McLeod did better than these receivers. <laughs> but I had uh, Justin Jefferson and, uh, well, Robbie Anderson, I guess, you know. Uh, he was 21. He got a lot of targets, 13 targets. Caught eight of those for 112 yards. That's that's decent for me. I mean, if he got some touchdowns, that would have made him uh, would have made him have an amazing day. So, being 21 without any touchdowns at receivers, not that bad. But yeah, Justin Jefferson was a total miss. Uh, it's actually really, uh, I, I don't know what happened. He was prime. He had a prime matchup. Did amazing two weeks in a row. Going into this matchup, he felt really good. And here's the thing is, I really like him this week, too. And so I'm probably going to potentially pick him again. We will see. But uh, I'm definitely not jumping ship from Justin Jefferson by any means. Tight end, man. Tyler Higbee, Mo Alley-Cox, Eric Ebron. Mo Alley-Cox, I, I, I get a pass for that because he got hurt. And the tight ends between Burton and Jack Doyle had nine targets amongst them. So those would have went to Mo Alley-Cox. And so that's really disappointing. But, I mean, Eric Ebron getting 18th out of, you know, all the tight ends, that's not even startable. So that's really disappointing. He had 43 yards receiving. Definitely expected more from him than that. And, you know, Tyler Higbee was 29th. And... 12 yards receiving, we talked about that. Gerald Everett got all the play and all the action, 90 yards. And it was just uh, not a miss in the process, but a miss in who was going to get that volume. And it definitely wasn't Tyler Higby at all. So, yeah, it was a a crazy week. Uh, Prediction-wise, again, it wasn't too bad. Definitely uh, didn't like my picks against the spread and the opposite of all my picks against the spread last week this week I hope to spread all the information that you're going to need to be able to pick all your games nail all your starts and sits and totally dominate your fantasy football week and gain victory I'm Miz the Wiz Montalban you're listening to the Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban fantasy football podcast Please rate and review us, all the support that you can give. We greatly appreciate it. And we'll be back in a couple days to go over all the Sunday morning games. In the meantime, have a good day, and thank you for listening. Goodbye.